Well, hello once again, Pastor Brown from Akron Lions Fellowship Church. Hope that you've had a tremendous week and that it's been a blessing to you. And I pray that you had time to savor or go over some of the information we've been sharing with you. And uh, I pray that God will somehow speak to your heart. Uh, the purpose of declaring his word is that the minds may be broadened, the hearts may be a deeper, deeper love and appreciation for the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we find ourselves more loyal and committed to him. Uh, I don't believe that our speaking is in vain because God says his word will go forth and it will accomplish what he desires and it will not return to him void. So we're just believing and trusting God that those who hear will allow the Holy Spirit to minister to them, whether saved or unsaved. Uh, our prayer is that something that is said will lighten your load deepen your hope and build your faith Jesus is real and Jesus is coming back and we've been on this for a little while in the book of Revelation <clears throat> and this is going to be the last message for a while from Revelation and then uh, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit how the Holy Spirit works in the unbeliever and in the believer's life. So we're going to cover those two areas because it's so important that we have biblical understanding in those areas because uh, God has given us the gift of his Spirit that we might grow in that grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it gives us the privilege of saying, Abba Father, uh, calling God our Father and making it more personal than just God but Father Father well let's pray and we're going to get in Revelations uh, chapter 20 the millennium and it's just a few verses but there are a lot of verses in the Old Testament that talks about the reign of Christ and that he would rule here on earth and uh, they were looking forward to that day and maybe that's one of the reasons why the Jews were looking for their Messiah to come and rule here on earth. Not Jesus who would come and who would die on the cross for our sins and then back to heaven to be our intercessor between us and God and then with a return that he would return again. But what we also find out in the book of Revelation <laughs> is that some people say that God somewhat stopped working with the Jews and uh, started working within the church. And we call it the church age, many of us do, and we can get caught up with sometimes our words. But in that time in which the church was there, he didn't really work with the Jews. But isn't it strange that uh, basically all the men who were apostles were Jews? Uh, they were the Missionaries, the first missionaries that really sent out, uh, they were Jews. And how many Jews were converted in the first century that made up the church? <clears throat> and uh, all down through the age, 
I believe God has continued to draw Jews because the Messianic Jew, he's here today with us and he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. So I believe God has continued to draw and to work with Jews. Now, when we get in the book of Revelation, some say, well, the church disappears, um, that the church is taken up, the rapture is there. Well, uh, that may be of some of the saints and so forth, or all of the saints, however you may want to put it. But uh, I believe the church is still there because there are going to be those who still believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and who are going to still meet. So that thing, that church, I think, is still there. The focus and the tension changes. That when you leave chapter 3, is no longer about the churches. It's about Israel, the Jews. And then we begin to see the two prophets, the 144,000 that are sent out, and that uh, all the Jewish people then who are involved in what's taking place around Jerusalem and over in that area in the scripture and so forth. Uh, I think God is still working with both Jews and Gentiles, and people are still being saved, and they are still worshiping. And uh, I believe that they are worshiping now. Church buildings, as we call church buildings, that's not the church, and we need to understand that. It's a place where we meet. It's a comfortable place, but the church is where God's people meet, where they gather and worship Him. It can be out in an open field. It can be in a storefront. It can be in somebody's basement. The church is where God's people gather to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that continued on, even during the time of tribulation, even though they may have died for worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, because they would not deny him, nor would they worship the image. So many are dying because of that. But in the millennium, all that ceases. No more war. No more false prophet, no more image, no more of the Antichrist. All that ceases during the millennium. And the only one who reigns is Jesus Christ. The millennium is important in the area that it demonstrates both the power of God and what happens to Satan? For a thousand years he is bound. So let's pray and then we're going to look at Revelation 20 and then we're going to try to dig out as much information as we can about the millennium and the people that are there during that time. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your word. Would you minister to us? Would you open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to receive? And Lord, would your Holy Spirit truly speak? We thank you, Lord, that your word educates us for the things that are yet to take place. And we can see them, Lord, little by little being set up. Help us, Lord, to discern the time in which we're living. And Lord, as your word says, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day unto the Lord. There, there's no set timing as we 
look at time. But Lord, we know it's going to take place. Lord, you have spoken it. and You've said, have I not spoken? Have I not done it? And we believe it, Lord, because you've said it. Now minister to us and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Millennium. Revelations chapter 20. The word millennium itself means a thousand. Some will argue the issue that is not a literal thousand years. It is a symbol of completion of one era and starting another. Uh, that is only a symbolic number. And a lot of numbers we know in the Bible are only symbolic. And that's okay. But here it may be a thousand years. Or it may not be a thousand years. But what is important here is this. Jesus is going to rule. And Satan is going to be bound. Whether Jesus ruled a thousand years or Satan bound a thousand years. Um, not going to get into that all that much because there's so many different opinions about it. But the scripture tells us a thousand years. That's a long period. And I know some people will argue from this position. If we're in a seven year period time, how do you fit a thousand years? So the seven years have to be completed. Then the millennium takes place. But then after the millennium, we have another battle. <clears throat> so, uh, those can become issues that people would really question and so forth. The thing I want you to do is this here. Believe what God is going to share with us. And hold to it. That Christ is going to rule here on earth for a length of time. A thousand years. And that Satan himself is going to be bound for a thousand years. And there's a reason for that. And we're going to look at that. And then some people ask the question, where do the people come from that go into the millennium? Well, if you look at chapter 19, and you take the very last verses from 19 through 21, there's this battle that takes place. But everybody doesn't die because everybody doesn't submit to the Antichrist or to the image of the false prophet. Now, true, a lot of people are killed, but there are also a lot of people who are still alive. And they have chosen to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it is stated that only people who go into the millennium are believers. And we can say that just like we said about Egypt. All the people who came out of Egypt were Israelites or Jews, but we know some Egyptians also came out. So <clears throat> the issue that I bring up here is that as we go into the millennium, it is populated at first with those who will believe in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ rule on earth. Now we have to understand this. It's also the one of the reasons for this ruling time. Is that a promise had been made to the saints. That they would rule with Jesus. The Christians were given 
this word that they would reign with Christ for a thousand years. They would rule with Jesus here on earth. Now understand this. Because a lot of people think when they go to heaven, they're going to rule in heaven. No, you're not going to rule in heaven. The only place we're going to rule with Jesus is here on earth. When there are new heaven, new earth, God is going to be supreme. He's going to rule. God the Father, God the Son, the God the Holy Spirit will rule. They need no help from us. When new heaven and new earth is created in Revelations 21. But let's read verses 1 through 5 in Revelations 20. He says, John is speaking. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. Now, this angel had been given authority over the one called Satan. That he could grab hold of Satan, bound him, lock him up in a sense for a thousand years. He had been given power and authority by the Almighty God to deal with Satan. And he said, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations. Why is Satan locked up? Why is he bound for a thousand years? To keep him from deceiving the nations. Or let's just break it down in simple language. Deceiving people. Deceiving all the different ethnic groups, all the different languages, from deceiving people in the area of accepting the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, Deceiving the nations anymore. Until the thousand years were ended. After that he must be set free for a short time. Only a short time. And then after that we see another battle that takes place. And after that Satan himself is thrown again into the abyss. And we never hear anything else again about Satan. Now understand. In this second battle. The false prophet. The image are not there. They're not there. The Antichrist is not there. And he goes on and he says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. Those are the Christians now. Those are the Christians who have been resurrected in order to judge now with Jesus here on earth. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus. Those are the tribulation saints that have died during the time of the tribulation. Also now are resurrected and they are ruling with Christ also. And it goes on and it says... <clears throat> I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus. And because of the word of God, they had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark 
or on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. They were Christians. And it was the Christian who was promised that they would reign with Christ and be judges over people during this time of the millennium. He goes on and he says, The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. And at that time, we have the great white throne judgment where all the unbelievers now are bought to be judged. Now, the one of the reasons for the millennium is God keeping his word to the Christians that they would reign with him, with Jesus Christ on earth. And Jesus is here on earth. And I believe he's here and people are going to see him. He sits in the seat of David. He sits on his throne and he's going to rule. Now, go to uh, Revelation chapter 5 and 10. Let's look at a couple of verses here real quick. Revelation chapter 5 and 10. Uh, because we need to understand the promises that were given. He says in verse 10 in Revelation, You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. Now catch this last part of this verse. And they will reign on the earth. They will reign on the earth. God makes that promise to us. He made us to be priests. And to be a kingdom unto him. And he's promised us that we would reign with him here on earth. Now go with me to 2 Timothy 2.12. Because we, 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 we see something again that is promised to us. 2 Timothy 2.12. Oh, let me get there. He says, If we endure, speaking to the Christian, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we endure whatever life throws at us, and we do not denounce him. And we stay loyal to him. Committed to him. He says. We'll reign with him. We'll reign with him. If we disown him. He will also disown us. That we're not ashamed. As Paul said. Of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the part that really we want to focus on. Is that he promised them. That if you endure, you'll reign with me. You'll reign with me. Now go to 1 Corinthians. And what you want to do, look at chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Because, again, a promise is made. And God is fulfilling his promise. And that's the thing we want to stay uh, focused on. That God is fulfilling his promise here. Look at 6.2. 1 Corinthians 6.2. And uh, look what Paul is saying here. Do not do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Now, once you get up in heaven, you're not judging anything. But here on earth with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're reigning with him, you're going to judge. 
you're going to carry out certain actions representing the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, it may sound silly, but you may be governors, you may be over California, somebody may be over Texas, some saint may be over this, other saints may be mayors or whatever. We don't know how this is going to really work out. But what we do know, you will have some type of authority because a judge always has to have authority. Now, you don't have all authority. The judge doesn't have all authority. But he does have some authority. And that authority has been given by the Lord Jesus Christ. Being given by the Lord Jesus Christ, who has all authority. And we need to recognize that. Jesus Christ has all authority at this time. And he must reign here on earth. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians 15.25. 1 Corinthians 15, 25. And uh, he's going to reign here on all, on, on earth because he has to fulfill that, which is said that he would do it. 15, 25. And it says, uh, For he must reign. For he must reign. And that he is Jesus. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Well, you say, well, that last battle before the millennium, isn't all his enemies under his feet? No. And we're going to see that even in the time of the millennium. There are going to be those who rise to oppose him. Now, let me make something clear here. When the new heaven and new earth is populated by us in our new resurrected bodies. We need to understand throughout eternity from that point on, a new heaven and a new earth, there will be no more opposition to the authority of God or of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No more opposition. No more disobedience. No more fighting. And the reason it's a new heaven and a new earth. Because what he does, he somewhat wipes the slate clean of what was called sin. Because the rebellion by Satan in heaven, when one third of the angels were also removed from heaven, that rebellion was sinful. Sin started before earth created, before earth was ever created. And the first place sin ever took place was in heaven when Satan himself or Lucifer made the decision that he was going to be like God. And he was kicked out of heaven. Now, we know he came to earth. Why? Adam and Eve. Genesis tells us the story. And he used his number one tactic, deception, to deceive Eve. And that's what he has used all down through the ages of time, is deception, deception, deception. And that's why he is bound for a thousand years or for a period of time that he cannot deceive anyone any longer 
But the scripture makes it very clear. For he must reign. Christ must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Now, the perfect king is going to reign. And we need to understand that. Jesus is the perfect king. He knows no sin. And all his judgments are right and just. He knows no sin. He's never sinned. All the kings before him were loaded with sin. Just like you and I are. They sinned. And we know even the man after God's own heart, David, sinned. And when we look in the Old Testament, we see the sins of all the Old Testament kings. But Jesus did not sin. Go to Hebrews 4.15. We're just going to look at two verses because time is running fast here. But uh, we want to go to Hebrews 4.15. Look what it says there. He says, oh boy. Get my eyes. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet, yet was without sin. Yet was without sin. He's been tempted in many ways that we have, but he did not sin. Go over to First Peter 2.2. First 2, 2. Peter 2.2. 2. And uh, again, just to clarify, he's the perfect king. Uh, you could not have found anybody to sit in David's seat as Jesus is able to and nobody could point a finger at him about sin. He's going to rule over a people who have been saved from sin but cannot ever say that he sinned because he sinned not. First Peter 2 First Peter 2 in verse 22, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. He committed no sin. Talking about Jesus Christ, the one who will sit in David's seat during the time of the millennium. And he will have all authority, all authority. Now, only the believers, those who accept his authority, come into the millennium after the battle. Before the millennium in Revelation 19, 19, 21. He will assist. He will assist on continual obedience. Jesus is going to consist. Consist that there be loyalty and faithfulness. Towards him. It will not be like it is now. With this up and down stuff. One day you're hot. Next day you're cold. Uh, sin will be dealt with very rapidly in the millennium. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And he will not allow that in the millennium. Sin or rebellion. One do it, it can temper someone else or affect another. And he will not allow sin at all. It will be dealt with forcefully and immediately 
it will be dealt with. Now, he will insist on this continual obedience from the children of those who are born during the time of the millennium, when people will turn hearts and reveal by their opposition and their rebellion, when their hearts turn against him, they will be met with a force like they have never, never experienced in life. Because he will deal with it quickly. Go to Psalms chapter 2, 7 through 12. Psalms chapter 2, 7 through 12. Because sin cannot do what it has done in the past. Just run rapid. It will not be allowed. So in Psalms 2, and uh, starting in verse 7, he says, I will proclaim the decrees of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possessions. You will rule. You will what? You will rule. You will rule. Then with an iron scepter, you will dash them to pieces like potter. If you can imagine a plate falling to the floor and just shattering. If you can imagine a, a, a pot, a clay pot falling to the floor and just breaking up. He said, that's what's going to happen in a sense to people. They will be torn apart quickly. And he says, therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. Now catch this end part. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. His wrath can flare up in a moment. Now I want you to take that in the time of the millennium, compared with the time we are now. God is long-suffering. God is very patient. God is very slow to wrath. But in the millennium, all that's done away with. When sin takes place, he flares up in a moment to destroy it. He flares up quickly. Because sin will not any longer be tolerated, not even for a second. He will judge between nations also. And we need to understand that. That's why it won't be any more wars. That he will judge between nations. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4. And he will be that judge. He will be the one that will cause peace among the nations and he will rule over those nations and there's not going to be any war so in Isaiah 2 4 he tells us he will judge between the nations and will settle disputes two kings will not settle two people in authority will not settle their disputes he will settle those disputes and he will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many people. 
they will beat their swords into plowshares, into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. In the millennium, you won't even be able to really have an army that's training for war. Why? No war. We can't imagine that. Every nation we know of here on earth has an army prepared for what? War. And they're there to control even the people in their own lands. But every nation is equipped with an army. And he says, in the millennium, that will not be. There will be no armies. There will be no weapons formed that can hurt another. There will be no war at all. And Jesus says he's the one who will make sure of that. No war. He will settle every dispute. Then in Malachi 4.4, 4, he comes back and he says, Every man will sit under his own vine. Every man will, in a sense, sit under his own work. So during the millennium, and we'll talk about this again in a little bit, you're not going to be lazy. You're going to work. You're going to work. You're going to provide. And he says, Every man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree. And no one will make them afraid. But you work for it. You don't have to worry about nobody else taking, stealing, uh, uh, losing it. No, you won't have that fear of somebody else who might be stronger than you. Because God protects the weak from the strong. And from the exploitations of others during the millennium. And he says, no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. The Lord Almighty has spoken. No rebellion, no wars, protection for the weak from the strong, no exploitation will be upon anyone from anybody else, but there won't be any laziness either. You're going to work. You're going to work. And he won't face people, he won't force people to believe in the millennium. There won't be any forcing of it. You, you won't have to worry about being forced. He's not going to do that. And we need to understand that the world has changed. In the millennium, the world changes. And he's in control. And he's going to even show forth the evidence that he's in, to, he's in control. Go to Isaiah 35, 5-7. Isaiah 35, 5-7. Because he's going to set forth things like never before. Uh, we're all fearful of certain things, of lions and so forth. But he's going to straighten all that out. And he's going to deal with it differently. And we're going to recognize the world different. So when you pick up in 5, uh, he says first about the blind. He says, then will the blind, then will the eyes of the blind be open. So there's going to be healing. No one's going to be blind. Uh, it's not going to be 
sickness per se. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame keep leap like a deer. The lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. You don't see that today, but he said this is what will happen. That's why we know it's going to be a different world. It's not the new world. It's not part of the new heaven, new earth, but it's different than what it is presently because Jesus is reigning. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the hunts will jackals once lay grass and reeds and papyrus will grow and papyrus will grow. Now, he changing people, but he's going to change also this world, this earth that we know, that people also really recognize he's in full control. Not just over some things, but everything. Life, plant life, over this whole earth. And the earth doesn't groan anymore, as it speaks about in Romans 8. That the earth groaneth, doesn't groan. Because he's here to meet the need of everything. It's not like it was before. And we need to understand that, that he is there for that purpose. Now, go to Hosea chapter 2 and verse 18. Hosea 2 and verse 18. Look what he says here. Uh, He says, In that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the creatures that move along the ground, bow and sword and battles I will abolish from the land so that all may be all may lie down in safety not only man lie down in safety but even the beasts the animals and a lot of animals hunt at night they won't need to hunt and he goes on he says I will betroth you to my to me forever and I will betroth you in righteousness and justice in love and compassion that he's in love not just with man but with what his whole creation and he takes on the responsibility when you marry someone you take on total responsibility in a sense for that person Jesus Christ in the Messiah takes on total responsibility for human life, plant life, animal life, for everything here on earth. Isaiah 11. Back to Isaiah. And Isaiah 11. And I want you to pick up with me there in verses 6 through 8. Isaiah 11, 6 through 8. He says, and this is all what's taking place in the millennia. The wolf will lie, the wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat. Uh oh. 
That don't make sense, but in the millennium, it does. The wolf will live with the lamb. Wolves today will hunt lambs. That's their food for today. But there's going to come a time that is not going to be so. The wolf will lie with the lamb. They'll both lie down. One will not run from the other. One will not be chasing. One will not be trying to kill the other. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The cow will feed with the bear. One of the things that um, ranchers used to kill were bears. Quiet. They would kill their cattle, slaughter their cattle. Well, in the millennium, they're going to lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. Uh oh. He's not a meat eater. <laughs> He's going to eat straw. May have, in a sense, brought back what was taking place in the garden. It doesn't describe all the animals that Adam named in the garden, but they didn't eat one another. So they all had to be vegetarians and eating grass. And here he says the lion will eat grass. And he goes on, he says, the infant will play near the hole of the cobra. And the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. And the waters cover the sea. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Not only will human beings recognize the authority of Jesus Christ, but the animal world will recognize the authority of Jesus Christ. I know somebody out there saying, that man's crazy. That man's not even making sense. From our human minds, you're right. It does not make sense. But only a God who is able to say that nothing's too hard for him to do. Nothing's impossible with him. Only a God that is able to say, have I not said it? Have I not done it? Can do such a thing. And he's allowing us to know in the millennium, this is going to take place. It's not heaven yet. It's the millennium period in which Jesus Christ rules. Now, what we need to wake up to also is to this. The work of Satan is not in the millennium. Why? Because again, Satan has been bound. When we look at 1 John 3.8, it simply says, Christ was manifested to destroy his work. Now, if he was manifested to destroy his work, why during the time in which he reigns would he allow Satan to interfere with his work? So Satan is bound. 
because he's not going to be able to interfere with the decisions that people make to believe the Lord Jesus Christ and to accept the authority of Jesus Christ as absolute. Satan's not going to be able to interfere with that. Then John 12, 31, he says, Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. He's totally out of it. And then it says in John 16, 11, The prince of this world have been judged already. So he's already judged. He's out. He has no more authority here. He's gone. And then look at me at Revelations 12, 9. Go back to the book of Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 because Satan is not going to be allowed to deceive. He's not going to be allowed to do what he used to do. He said, The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He leads what? The whole world astray. Because he deceives. And he's not going to be allowed to do that. In the millennium. He's not going to be able. And no man. No woman is going to be able to say. I was deceived. By Satan. I was led astray. By Satan. Nobody's going to be able to say. Satan made me do it. Not going to be able to say that. And. We need to understand that Satan is totally out of the picture during the millennium period. Why? If Satan is bound out of the picture, then where does evil come from? If Satan is bound, where does evil come from? I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 7. Because we need to understand something about man. We need to understand this has been... Something about man ever since he was put out of the garden. You have to want to obey God. You have to tell yourself, I'm going to obey God. But you have to want to do that. There has to be a strong desire in you to live for Christ. If not, you don't do it. And I think that's one of the reasons why Satan is bound or taken totally out of the picture during the millennium period. That man can really see man for who he is. Because a lot of us have this false belief that inside of us there's all this goodness. And Paul says there's no one that is good. But man still believes that in himself there is a cradle of goodness that should be accepted by God and allow us into heaven because of that goodness. And what we miss on the news every day as it tells us about the evils of man and the things that man do to one another. 
in Mark chapter 7, go to verse 6, so that's where we're going to start at. He says, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's one of the deceptional things that is going to take place even during the millennial period. People will honor Jesus not because they want to, because they have no one to lead them any other way, and they do it. Not that they want to conform or they want to obey. They do it grudgingly in a sense now it is true what scripture says God knows the heart of every man but remember something God allowed Judas to stay with the twelve until Judas did what he walked off God allows these people to stay until their real heart is revealed just like Judas now we need to understand that the Lord says, just like Isaiah says, these people honor me with their lips, but not with their heart. That takes place today in many of our churches. People are honoring the Lord with their lips, but their heart is far from him. And the evidence of that is their disobedience to his word. Now go over to verse 15. He says, nothing outside of man can make man unclean. Nothing. We have a lot of blaming of the TV and we have a lot of blaming of this and that. that this And, and the scripture just comes back and I'm just convinced on this. There's not anything that's from the outside that corrupts man. It's in the heart of man. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. This stuff can go in, but it does not really affect you until you choose to let it come out the wrong way. It has to override your conscience, override everything that you know to be right and true before it comes out. It goes in, but he says again, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. Not what goes in. We need to understand that. Go down also into verse 20 through 23. Listen to what he says. He went on, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of the man's heart, comes evil thoughts. From within come evil thoughts. Sexual immorality comes from within, comes out. A thief, a murderer, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. 
All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Catch where he says they come from. From the inside of man, not outside, inside. And it comes out. Now, go to Genesis 6, 5. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Because we need to see what God says about man. And Paul says it again in Romans 3. There is none that is good. No, not one. There's not even one who does what is right. So here in chapter 6 and verse 5, he says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become. And that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil when all the time. All the time. All the time. And it grieved God that he had made man on earth. That's some statement that we should really catch hold of. That it grieved God. That he even created us. Because of the evil. That flows from us. The true heart is revealed in the millennium. No Satan. To tempt you. No Satan. To tell you a lie. And yet people. Will want to rebel. Against the authority of the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to take note of that. It was an opportunity for people to obey God without the temptations from Satan. Without the temptations of Satan. Now, I want to hit two verses in that area and time just about has caught up here with us, but very quickly. Uh, if you would go to 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 5. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5. Uh, do not Deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time between a husband and a wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual desires. Don't deprive. So that you may devote yourself to prayer. Then look what he says. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you. So that Satan will not tempt you into the point of adultery or immoral life or into pornography or into this. He says Satan will come in if within a marriage, if something is withheld so long, those sexual desires are not satisfied. For men or women, he, he says Satan then will tempt you 
Well, Satan's out of the picture now. And the reality of man on his own will be there. And man makes his decision and is wrong. And 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says Satan blinded us to the truth. Well, Satan's not there to blind anymore. 2 Corinthians 10, 13. Just a couple of scriptures of why Satan is not around. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. He says, We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned to us, a field that reaches even to you. That God's word has the ability to reach every individual. And it does so even in the millennium to those who are born in that time. But there's no Satan now to hinder the word really being effective in their life. And in that we need to understand that those individuals will make a decision based on what they hear from the Lord Jesus Christ and what they are being taught by their family. Go to 1 Corinthians and we'll see why Satan now again is removed. Remember the words going out, nothing's there to hinder, it will take effect, but then in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. No temptation has taken hold of you at this period of time. And temptation comes from who? From Satan. And remember in Matthew 13 where it speaks about the word going out and those who received the word Satan came along in a little bit and snatched it. He won't be able to do that. Satan is totally out of the picture. So any rejection, any disobedience comes directly from the heart of man. Any rebellion comes directly from the heart of man. And it cannot be blamed on Satan. Many will rebel against the Lord's rule. Go again to uh, Psalms 2 9. Psalms, let's just go back at it again. Psalms 2 and verse 9. Because I want you to really understand that it comes from us. Psalms 2 and verse 9. He says, You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. For what? For their sin. For their sin. is not going to be tolerated. Isaiah 11.4 And we need to understand. God is not going to allow sin even for a second to stay in the time of the millennium. In that period, it will not be tolerated. It will not be tolerated. Again, 11.4. 4. 
He simply says, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy with justice. He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. It will not be tolerated. Not for a second. Sin will not be tolerated. Now, go to Jude chapter 5. Uh, not chapter 5, but verse 5. Jude. And we want to go to verse 5. 8 and 16. Look at verse 5. Describing the people now somewhat of the millennium who rebel against the Lord. And verse 5 says, Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered the people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. He brought all the Jews out of, all Israel out of Egypt but later destroyed those who did not believe. Those in the millennium, all believers come into the millennium accepting the authority of Jesus Christ. But their children, when they're born and as they grow up, and it says that a child, Isaiah says, a child, a person at 100 years old would be called a child. When their real heart is revealed and rebellion takes place, it is swiftly, swiftly dealt with. Swiftly. Go to verse 8 in Jude. Verse 8. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies. They do what? They pollute their own body. These dreamers. They want it their way. They want to do their thing. Not the ways of the Lord. These dreamers, dreamers pollute their own bodies. Reject authority. They're rejecting the authority of Christ. That's the characteristics of those in the millennium. Those children. And slander celestial beings. Divine beings. They slander. Jesus will be talked about even though they see him in his rule and that's that makeup of those individuals who act like they have conformed and act like they've accepted the rule and they are the first to say oh yeah I know him but they have not a heart for him they can't wait to get out from under his authority like many in churches today. They can't wait to get out from under the authority of the Word of God. And many of them break the Word of God today. And they don't really love the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, they're with us. They're among us. And that's okay because God is the one. Just like he did with the Israelites that he brought out of Egypt. There were those who believed, and he knows those who don't believe. And he said he destroyed them. 
We don't have to destroy anyone. We don't have to talk bad about anyone. We don't have to put down anyone. We don't have to go around saying, oh, he's not a Christian, she's not a Christian. God will do his own separation. Only those who believe and accept his authority will live long life in the millennium. I don't think it will be diseases that kill anybody. It will be disobedience and rebellion against the authority of Christ that will kill those that will die during the millennium. And they will be basically unbelievers. Their heart is not after God. Second Timothy 2.19 Their heart's not after God. They are like the child who says, I'm grown. I will make my own decision. I don't have to listen to you. Again, why does this happen? It's called free will. And God doesn't change it. You still have free will. To accept him and to obey him or not to obey him. You have free will. And you're the only one that can say, I'm not going to obey him. Satan is not enticing you. Satan is not influencing you. Satan hasn't blinded you. You're the one that makes that decision not to obey God. You're the one. Second Timothy 2.19 and I hope you will mark this down and you would keep it in your mind because it assures us of something. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows everyone who confesses his name. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness, even in the millennium. You will see him, and if you truly confess him, you will turn away from your evil, wicked desires, and you will submit to the authority and the will of God. And that's you doing it of your own free will. No, no Satan's there to hinder. He can't stop you. It's something you have to want to do. In closing, let me say this. This takes place to show the real heart of man. And yet the real love of God. And God allows man to continue in his state of free will. To make a choice. To be obedient 
to the one who sits in the seat of David and has all authority or rebel. Man's decision. But remember also, God has a choice. A choice of not allowing sin or you to stay in his kingdom. And those who will not obey the Lord Jesus Christ will be dealt with swiftly. Because the next thing we read in Revelation chapter 21, 1 and 2, is a new heaven and a new earth. All those who believe the Lord Jesus Christ will enter into that new heaven and that new earth. And all those men and women who want to rebel and not come under his authority, their life will end there in the millennium. And they will be raised anew for the white throne judgment and the second death and the second death. So I pray that you'll go back over some of the verses, that you'll go back over what is read. And I understand that, yes, some of this stuff may be, boy, I don't really catch it. But I want to encourage you, go over it again and again and again until the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and you know that it's true. Why? It is true. Well, God bless you and God keep you. And I thank you for the extra nine or ten minutes that you gave me today. But I hope that you will just be blessed and that somehow you'll grow and your faith will grow by the word of God that you've heard. So continue, I pray, to just seek him and wanting to hear his word. Why? Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness. We ask, O God, that you might speak anew to us and that you would ensure your truth into our hearts and our mind. You're the God who we look to and we look forward to your coming. And our prayer is that as Revelation directs us, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God keep you. See you next week, and we'll start on a new subject about the Holy Spirit. Thank you much. Bye.